Yeah, fuck them studies. You're listening to the only podcast in the universe where clothing is optional, but pot is not. Broadcasting from FEMA Region 7, it's Bowl After Bowl with your hosts, Lorian and Spencer. Bowl After Bowl. Bowl, bowl, bowl After Bowl. That's a dumb place to keep bowls. Streaming value for value. Streaming value for value. And weed is an excellent combination. If you're into baking, it's kind of passion. Yeah. Yeah. You'd love it. You know you'd love it. You love it. You're gonna love it. Hey, welcome back. It's another Tuesday. We are here in the bowl with you. You are here in the bowl with us. It's July 27th, 2021. This is episode 96 of Bowl After Bowl, and I am Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. Happy Token Tuesday. Of course, the baby wolf cub is joining us here in the bowl once again. That's right. Little John. <laughs> Keep babies on ya. Yeah. Inseparable. That's right. That's all right. Can't be too far. No. Can't be too far away. Can't be too far away. It's the fourth trimester. It's true. Yeah, he's got a, a good solid another month of uh, needing me at all times. Yes, indeed, Aruni. So, here we are. Rooney. Indeed, Aruni. Well, here we are. Here we are, indeed. Yes. Been an exciting week in the land of the casts. Um, lots to talk about tonight. Lots to talk about tonight. But you know how we always start the show off, and that's by saying a thank you and recognizing everybody who makes it possible everybody who keeps it going everybody who bops that balloon up in the air and keeps it up keeps the show up in the air and uh coming to you we couldn't do any of it uh with the live infrastructure without uh no debit who has graciously provided us with an icecast server to stream live from and if you're listening live on the No Agenda stream, that's thanks to Ryan Bimrose. Thank you both, sirs. Thank you, sirs. For getting our loud sound, our live sound, loud out to uh, the whole internets. We really appreciate that. Uh, if you are listening live and you want to goof around in the bowl, we call it in the bowl, but it's the uh, IRC chat room. It is on Zero Node, where the No Agenda chat room also lives. We are just in a n- different channel. If you type in pound bowl after bowl, that's where we live. And uh, you can have a nice little clickable Kiwi link to that. If you go to bowlafterbowl.com and click on listen live, you can find the live stream there. You can find the chat there. And uh, it's really fun to uh, listen live, participate. Uh, even if you're listening late, you can still leave a voicemail. The voicemail is online 24 7 369. And. Uh, That's how we hear your lovely voices. Or sometimes if we read your text, if you're voice shy. uh, Every week we do a new topic. First time I ever did a thing. We change it every week. This week it happens to be the first time I ever called somebody by the wrong name. So if you ever called somebody by the wrong name, you remember the first time you did, uh, all you got to do is pick up the phone and... uh, Call 816-607-3663. And the play of war. 
That's right. Call, text, picture, mail, anything you like uh, can be first time I ever related, can be topic related. If you just want to say, hey, give us an update, uh, that's what the voicemail line's for, so you can call in at your leisure. Uh, thank you so much this week to everybody who gave your treasure, the third of the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. The treasure is basically, uh, the formula is this. We go out and we pack these bowls and, uh, we hand them to you and you can hit it. And, uh, if you like what you're smoking, you can send that back and it can be time or talent. You can work on a ISO, you can send some clips, you can send a 33 story or some uh, weed legalization stories. Make some art. All kinds of stuff. But the easiest and quickest way uh, to return real value to all these Value for Value podcasts is, of course, the treasure. And we did have uh, sort of a record-breaking week this week Ooh. Uh, in terms of the sat streamed for sure. Um, but I think Aside from the 420 show, maybe even overall, this might be the second uh, highest supported week we've had, which is awesome. Uh, I do want to thank my PayPal donors first. Of course, uh, our buddy Mr. Fletcher came in. Spark one up. With his monthly stonation of 420. Woo. 420 a month. Thank you, Mr. Fletcher. Thanks, Fletch. And we just had Fletcher on Bowls with Buds last Friday night. It was a great time. It was and, a grand uh, time. Talk a little bit more about it in a bit uh, after we thank everybody. But uh, uh, if you want to listen to that or any of the Bulls with Buds episodes uh, where we have guests on and kind of talk to our guests, bullswithbuds.com will send you to all of those. We also had a 420 stonation from our friends down in Joplin. Woo! Uh, Rick and Charlene Brandon sent us 420. And uh, they also left us a note. Can't ask for donations if we don't pass them around ourselves. Be seeing you in the bowl, Rick and Charlene from the Itty Bitty Homestead. So thank you, Rick and Charlene. And you can check out their No Agenda Tube channel. Go to noagendatube.com and just search for Itty Bitty Homestead. They've got a fourth video up now all about the pets of the homestead, the pets they've got. And uh, I'm seeing five subscribers. Come on, bowlers. Where you at? Subscribe. Itty Bitty Homestead. You know you want to. Noagendatube.com. You can find that and a lot of other good stuff. Good stuff. I know Fletch puts stuff on there. We should put some stuff on there soon. Yeah, I gotta get some stuff. One of the many things uh, on our future horizon line. Future horizon line. And then the sad streamers. You really outdid yourselves these guys, uh, this week, guys. Uh, we got over 300,000 sat streamed this past week. Woo! Wow. Which is fantastic, uh, I must say, uh, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for the value for value. And a lot of that's anonymous, at least it is to me, um, because I don't really know where all of these are coming from, not even the app, let alone the person uh, who's listening in. Now, I know for a fact that Abel Kirby has been streaming a lot of sats to everybody out there. So if you've seen a big jump in your sats received on your nodes, uh, most likely it's your man Abel Kirby. And so we, I do want to specifically thank Abel Kirby and uh, recognize him as a producer of this particular episode because I know that he's a part of that. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the beauty of the sats thing. And, uh, you know, it's um, we always said 
if you want to be recognized for the sats you've streamed or sent to us in any way, feel free to write us a note. Uh, Spencer at bullafterbull.com is my email address. Lorian at bullafterbull.com is mine. And you can uh, just drop us a note and say, hey, been streaming you guys sats, love what you're doing, hate what you're doing, whatever. Um... Or you can remain anonymous. That's another beauty of it. Uh, you can just keep streaming and uh, remain a secret shadow man, which is uh, totally up to you. That's the beauty of freedom, freedom of choice. And uh, I know we talked a little bit about payment messages because the guys over at Podcasting 2.0 were kind of excited about getting those going. And Dave Jones had been talking about the emails generated by payment messages. And so that is something that he has coded up himself. Basically, when a payment, from what I understand, which is very little, I want to make that clear, I understand very little of this, um, the payment message is just attached to the key send lightning invoice as it comes in, and there's no built-in way from, through either of the nodes I run to kind of read that information. You would, I would have to code it myself, parse it myself, and uh, make a script to send me an email or whatever I want to do with it myself, which is just not going to happen in anytime soon. I can tell you that right now. Uh, I literally just today figured out how I could possibly balance my uh, channels on the, on the voltage node because I'd been playing with the voltage node in a very limited way, uh, opening and closing channels and watching things come in. You know, I can look at what's come in. I can look at the transactions all through, basically everything you can do through Thunderhub. I can spin up a Thunderhub uh, dashboard for that. But aside from that, like a command line over to that interface, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do LND on it. Uh, I just figured out how to do balance of Satoshis on it. And basically the way I did that is... I told you guys last week I figured out the balance of Satoshis on the Raspy Blitz. And so basically I'm using the Raspy Blitz and adding my other node as a as a second node saved on that. So I can, through the Raspy, balance stuff on both nodes, which is nice. Um, but, you know, it's also, it's also a big mystery, a lot of this stuff to me. So I don't want to like come off like I'm some kind of whiz kid. Nothing can be further from the truth. And I did want to talk a little bit about uh, our Bulls with Buds, and F Fletcher was on, as you know. And we got in, almost kind of like unexpectedly to me, we got in a discussion about Bitcoin and running nodes. Um, and I say it was unexpected. I knew it would come up because I poked him about uh, he's joining uh, in some role on the music project that Abel Kirby and I are working on, Abelcraft, and uh, he's going to play bass on at least a song, maybe a few songs, lay some bass lines down, and uh, when Abel Kirby told me that on, on our podcast that we're doing, I kind of chuckled, and I was like, oh yeah, that's great that Fletcher's coming on, because he doesn't want, he doesn't, he's not have a node, he doesn't really seem to have a lot of interest in getting a node, so... You know, there's not like a split we're going to have to cut off for him. Whereas Abel was kind of like, no, he's joining. Now he'll have to get a node. And so that was kind of the the uh, joke and the split of opinion there. And then it kind of surprised me and caught me off guard when we talked to him in the bowl uh, that he sounded sort of like 
no, I'm not ever going to get a no to just not into it. I'm not down to believe in it. And, uh, you know, kind of had some objections, uh, uncertainty and doubt, let's say. And um, totally understandable and reasonable stuff. And the reason it caught me off guard was I just, you know, it's it's a bulls with buds hang. And I didn't really come prepared to do some big debate. Not and and I also want to make clear I'm not really interested at all, even a little bit, in doing some kind of big debate about uh the you know, why you should be on Bitcoin. Uh why you should run a run a full node, why you should run a lightning node. I've said on the show a bunch of times and on tweets a bunch of times and pretty much wherever I can say it whenever it's relevant, and I'll keep saying it, that podcasters should run a full node, a full node uh, on the Lightning Network specifically, and uh, plug it into the value block uh, on the Podcasting 2.0 system. I say it because, A, I'm doing it myself uh, for our podcast, and B, I've you know played with Bitcoin a long time, and this is kind of the first time I have a use case that really hits home and makes sense to me and is like actually exciting and that I'm using because as I've said in the past, um, the only things I've used Bitcoin before to do are degenerate gambling in which I've lost a lot of coin over the years. And, uh, like I put 10 million sets on, on Trump winning in 16. So, you know, or in 20 in 2020. So, you know, how that goes. Um, but, and also, you know, ordering weird, sketchy things online, uh, in years past, but this, this is, uh, a bit different because this is kind of a, an exchange of value, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of hesitancy among non-coiners and people who aren't familiar with it. And my initial advice, right, was, was get in the car and drive it. You're not going to learn until you get in the car and drive it. And so... That still very much remains true. I mean, a lot of the objections uh, sometimes puzzle me. Sometimes it feels like people are grasping at objections because they just want to object, but then they feel like they need a reason to object and they don't really have one. And so they're going to, you know, just get one. Like, well, I don't want to get on Bitcoin because I don't trust the government. I'm going to not get on Bitcoin because I don't trust my internet service provider i'm going to get on Bit- i'm not going to get on bitcoin because i don't trust the concept of money uh and i'm not saying that anybody has said all of these specific things or any of these specific things but it's just kind of some of the general feelings that people uh grab out and uh like i know fletch said you know what if they take it over who is they what are they going to do i don't know but what if they take it over you wake up the next day and they've taken it over um now, from why, the problem I have combating this kind of fear is that I don't have an extensive enough knowledge of computer science in general and also like the specifics of the Bitcoin network to know exactly why provably that that can't happen. I just know it can't happen. And I guess, I guess it comes down to a faith in this, uh, the way it works that it can't happen. I've held it long enough, and I've seen people try long enough, including governments, including central banks, including um, whales and billionaires, try to come in and either take it over or fix it 
or control it in some way. And the, every time the uh, Bitcoin ecosystem has really just soaked in all of that energy and it either, you know, price shoots up, um, people lose their asses, a lot of different things uh, happen where, you know, these takeovers don't work, the split offs don't work. Uh, people coming in trying to quote unquote make it better or help or save Bitcoin. Um, it doesn't work. And so I was like, it kind of, it kind of floored me the, the whole re reaction that Fletch had to the point where all weekend I'm like thinking about it more and more. And it's like getting under my skin. I'm like thinking like, what do I say? Or, you know, what, what article can I send? What link can I post? What can I do? And, uh, it was great to hear last night on Hog Story that Fletch has actually been looking into it and brought some clips uh, from Andreas Antonopoulos. I'm not I'm not the best at the Greek names, but Andreas Antonopoulos is uh, one of the more famous uh, Bitcoin evangelists. Uh, I would say, for lack of a better word, but that's like the perfect word for it, a Bitcoin evangelist. Um, he knows a lot about Bitcoin. He's been deeply involved in it for most of the time that it's been around. And uh, like he said in the clips Fletch played last night, his job is kind of to explain Bitcoin to people, which, as I found out, is pretty difficult. You know, it's, it's tough. The way that I even understood Bitcoin over the seven, eight years I've been using it, um, I saw one article that kind of described it really beautifully, which was, uh, gradually, then suddenly. That's kind of how it happens. It's like, you hear this, you hear that, you hear bits and pieces, you're putting it all together, and then some. at some point there's like an aha moment, or you see it in a different way, and you see, you understand like all of the failed attempts to fuck with this thing that have happened over the past decade. Uh... And, and that's kind of more than anything else what uh, has solidified me in being able to say, yeah, this is something I'm going to stick with for the long term. Um, this is a trustless system. So a lot of people are hesitant because they don't trust other people, other governments, other actors. They don't trust other individuals. The beauty of the whole decentralized finance financial Bitcoin phenomenon, the whole protocol of Bitcoin, is that you don't need to trust anyone. The point of running a full node is that you're verifying all the payments. You don't trust, you verify. So if you're running a full node, another another worry is the takeover. You know, what if they ban Bitcoin? What if they squash it all? What if they turn off all of our power? What if they turn off all of our internet? What if, what if, what if? There's bigger problems at stake, first of all, if any of those things happen. There's far bigger problems uh, than worrying about where our Bitcoin is at any given time. Um, but as long as one node is running somewhere on Earth, the Bitcoin ecosystem can keep functioning and can keep processing payments and can keep building blocks. All it needs is one node. See, a full node is a perfect copy of the blockchain, which contains... Um, basically the latest transactions. And the full blockchain is every transaction that's ever happened. So the full blockchain is a full list, an account, 
of every Bitcoin that exists and where it is. Now, it doesn't necessarily say who has it. It doesn't necessarily say where it is on Earth, but it will say what wallet it's in, you know, what address that it resides at. Um, another thing about the need for maybe power or internet is uh, there are a lot of different ways to do this offline. Um, you know, Adam Curry was uh, famously receiving a transaction over ham radio. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, you can have paper wallets. You can have hardware wallets that are air-gapped. In fact, the most paranoid security sticklers in Bitcoin want a wallet that never has ever connected ever to the Internet ever, one time ever, is what they want. And that's the most secure way to store, especially if you have a lot of Bitcoin, for a long time. Uh, it's something called air-gapped. See, what a wallet is, is not a thing that holds your Bitcoin. A wallet is a thing that holds your private keys. Your private keys are required to sign any transaction. So if you're spending and sending those Bitcoin, you need those private keys uh, to sign along with your public key. And then all the other nodes check and see that those match and that indeed you are the rightful uh, owner of the Bitcoin you're trying to spend. And uh, that's sort of the simple version of how that works. Uh, the beautiful thing about it is public. It's a public ledger. What does that mean? It means... Like we explored a little bit uh, when I was when we were talking with Fletch and the Bull on Friday, you can pull up the mempool and see all the transactions as they roll in in real time, how big and small they are, and what addresses they're going to. That means there's no uh, bullshit Federal Reserve that's printing up extra money. Um, there's no way to smuggle it. There's no way to sneak it around. Um, and I also find funny the amount of pushback directed at Bitcoin that can be easily turned around and flipped at the U.S. dollar, the Federal Reserve, or other things that we already are using. Not to, not to mention the uh, pushback about needing the Internet or needing electricity, which are two things, I mean, if we're doing podcasts here, there are two things that we definitely have and definitely maintain and use all the time and frankly depend on. I mean, they depend on. Our lifestyles that we're living right now depend on paying an ISP every month. You know, I mean, I hate ISPs as much as the next guy. I've looked into a lot of uh, how do you become your own ISP or do you really need an ISP to connect to the Internet? And essentially it's kind of like, do you want to be your own phone company? Do you want to be your own, uh, you know, you want to build your own road when you're going to somewhere else? It's it, The infrastructure is just so enormous and costly that, for all practical purposes, you've got to use somebody else's. You've got to use somebody else's that had the capital to put down to build all of that. Uh, even if you wanted to be your own ISP, you would have to come up with a peering agreement between two or more ISPs in existence and tap into their infrastructure to connect to it physically. So, again, we kind of circle back to uh, needing these reasons to object because you just object. And... Uh, it's hard, it's hard to just be like, well, I just object because I object, and I don't really know why, I just don't want to do it. Which is totally fine, by the way. It's totally fine. Uh, and that's why I said right away to Abel Kirby that, you know, oh, it's great. Fletcher's coming on. He doesn't have a note. It's great. Um, and I love Fletcher. You know, he said last night, and I echo the sentiment, we're like brothers, man. We have a brotherly bond, 
and I love him. I would do. There's nothing that Fletcher could do uh, where I would be like, "Fuck you, I'm mad at you." Um, I also have no interest whatsoever in being another Bitcoin Pied Piper because there are a lot of voices out there that are far more knowledgeable than me already doing that. You can go listen to Andreas Antonopoulos. Uh, you can go listen to Max Kaiser. You can go listen to a lot of people who are very smart and very dumb and very crazy and very sane. Uh, there's so many other people out there already doing that. and That's not what I want. Uh, I kind of came up with a short list of things, hobbies, uh, and activities that I enjoy more than Bitcoin and that interest me more than Bitcoin. And this is uh, by no means an exhaustive list. Um, but here we have uh, smoking meat, playing baseball, uh, doing podcasts, playing drums, playing guitar, recording music. Uh, <laughs> gardening. Gardening. Sexual intercourse. <laughs> exercise, which by the way, I don't really do super often. I should do it more. Um... I hope you get the point by now, but basically I enjoy mowing my lawn way more than I enjoy balancing channels. Bitcoin is a chore. And I kind of said this from the start too. It's not easy, especially when you're t like the more control that you take, the harder it is, the more challenging it is. So a lot of people out there, uh, since pod 2.0 rolled out, a lot of people have done the, uh, onboarding through satoshis.stream and they make it easy to do it, and they take a cut, uh, well-deserved in my opinion, because all this shit's a pain in the ass. And I had said, if there was a way that I could onboard people and piggyback them on my node, I would do it in a way that was value for value, where I just send you whatever sats you're streamed, and you know you can send me whatever you feel is appropriate on the back end. I still haven't figured out a way to do that, and it's not off of my to-do list. It's not like I'm not going to do that, but... Some of the stuff I'm that I'm only getting around to now, like like channel balancing, uh, for instance, is just so involved. And so I understand that going a step further and adding a layer to my node is going to be super involved. It's going to take way longer than I expected it to take. And and that's another thing I want to say too is like when when I say podcasters should be running a full node, I'm not saying like you should be receiving sats into it tomorrow. I'm saying, you know, look into it and make it a goal. Add it to your goal list because uh, it can be done and you don't necessarily have to do it on a raspy blitz. You don't have to necessarily rent a voltage node and pay whatever a month or whatever a year for it. Uh, you can run a node on an older computer or older laptop that you have that's just connected all the time. There's a lot of different ways to do it. And uh, I'm I'm kind of left with... Three different uh, quotes that I want to I want to round this out with, that kind of demonstrate what I want to do in 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 the future as far as the quote unquote evangelizing this. What I want to evangelize is podcasting 2.0, allowing you to stream sats to the show through these apps, um, and also uh, being able to publish music on that same idea of being able to put it out value for value, which is what Abel Kirby and I are working on. 
and I encourage you to subscribe to the Ablecraft podcast if you're interested in, in hearing more about that as the project kind of evolves and unfolds, because we're still in the early stages of it, and we're still in the early stages of all of this. The reason, again, that we got in super early was because I knew that if we did, we would you know, reap the benefits of having adopted early. We would reap the benefits of knowing what's going on, seeing the changes, also maybe being able to be in the room when some bullshit might go down, you know, when somebody maybe does try to take over, quote unquote, and maybe they will fail at doing that with the Bitcoin system in general, but the direction of podcasting 2.0 or what's going on, you know, we wanted to be in the room and have a voice in it. And so that was a, another part of why we participated and why we got in so early. And like this week shows, it, you know, it, it, it has been paying off uh, in, in the SAT sense, in the value sense. So uh, I would say probably over the last week is when we crossed the line where we're in the black. We're in the black on this project now, uh, which is wonderful. And a lot of that we're going to use to send to other podcasters who are doing the same stuff. Uh, and I've been streaming and, and boosting this whole time too. Um, but it's sort of a long-term game. So it's not like a big rush to get, uh, to get to a certain spot. Uh, Max Kaiser fam uh, famously said that everybody will get Bitcoin at the price they deserve to get it at. And when I, uh, when Bitcoin was hovering around 30 K, uh, and it might do it again, I said, Hey, get, get some now while it's on sale, you know, set an all time high around 60 K. And so when I say it's on sale, I mean, ever since I got, you, you got to understand I bought in at $400. And so my average dollar cost of buying Bitcoin will never, ever go down. Probably, probably. Now here's a way to look at that. Cause I know a lot of people want to say, well, it can go to zero at any point, or it's too volatile. It is volatile right now because it's sort of still in its price discovery phase. There's only going to ever be 21 million Bitcoins total. That's the ceiling on it. Once it's 21 million Bitcoins, no Bitcoins will be rewarded in a block anymore. So it has a fixed, finite amount of Bitcoins in circulation. Um, I did a little bit of calculation just to kind of play a thought experiment on it. 21 million Bitcoins. Now a Satoshi is a hundred millionth of a Bitcoin. So if you take 21 million Bitcoins times a hundred million sats, that means that there's at max there will ever be is 2.1 quadrillion sats. That's a uh, thousand trillion is a quadrillion. So 2.1 quadrillion sats. Now, if you divide that by the current world population, you know what you get in sats per person? What do you get? If you took all the Bitcoin possible and then divided them equally among all the humans on Earth right now, which is what, 7.7 .7 billion, I believe. I looked it up earlier when I did the calculation. That's about 270,000 sats per person. Wow. So if you think about the early adopters... And um, most experts say, and I use experts with finger quotes because I don't respect any experts. And that includes with Bitcoin, you know, uh, when he brought the Andreas uh, clips last night, I had heard the name a lot over the years, but I had never really like listened to a full talk he gave or anything like that. Um, 
and I'm not pro or anti the guy. I'm just kind of, in general, experts. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, this guy's an expert. All the experts are kind of, you know, we're, we're well aware and, and leery of experts, let's say, to be as polite as possible. The experts, uh, most of them say that around 1% of, or less of the eventual user uh, uh, adoption has happened when it comes to Bitcoin. So we're not even in the early adopter phase. We're still in kind of the pioneer phase. I mean, everybody using it is still on the bleeding edge of this technology. So you're getting in at a time where you can have a podcast and in one week get streamed over 300,000 sets, which is more than if you divided it up equally among everybody, you know? So if you're talking about the distribution of wealth, you can do those calculations and see what equal would be and then see, you know, where you'd want to be above that. Down the road, I think it's going to be a big factor. Now, some of those clips he was talking last night about how kids wouldn't know what paper money is and, and all this kind of stuff. I don't think a lot of that's going away. Uh, I think it is in high danger of, of crashing. Uh, and it's undeniable that it is depreciating. Your dollar is depreciating. You look at the purchasing power of a dollar from 1970 to today, and it's quite pathetic what's happened um, just in a short amount of time, you know, over 50 years. So I, I want to also comment one more time on the on the fun little uh, objections people bring up. Well, they make these scenarios, right? Like even Curry, you know, Curry is a perfect example of a guy who was totally distrusted bitcoin is bullshit you know for years and years on the show he wouldn't accept bitcoin when people were like willing to send it to him for donations he didn't even accept it he's just like nah i don't want to fuck with it it's too much i don't understand it i don't get it it's a scam it's bullshit anyway it's not going to be around and uh you know i'm i'm sure i'm sure he has some regrets on that but um that's a perfect example of a guy who kept on saying well i can't pay my rent with it you know I've heard, oh, I can't buy bread with it. A lot of those things actually are no longer true in that, uh, like, for instance, with the bread thing, I think I talked about it before, but Breeze has an app where you can basically get a Visa debit card and load it with sats. Um, there are things like bit refill. There are a lot of different ways to buy bread with Bitcoin now. But is that why you want Bitcoin is to buy bread and pay your rent? I say no. Uh, last night in the chat, I remember, and probably on the air too, we're talking about a farmer's market and like, would, can you get onions at a farmer's market with Bitcoin? And it's like, well, you can if the if the farmer accepts Bitcoin. Uh, and if the farmer accepts Bitcoin, that means he's figured out a way to where he can take Bitcoin and give you an onion, which is smart for him. But here's the here's the real kick. Do you want to use Bitcoin to buy your onions? Do you want to use Bitcoin... Uh, to purchase those goods, I like it as a value transfer when we're talking value for value model because it's all very subjective and it changes day to day and it changes with circumstances and that's not something you're going to look back in time and regret all of this stuff. For me, what I do is all the stuff that I'm spending on wallet, I'll buy that Bitcoin to replace it at the end of the week, month, etc. so that I'm not quote unquote losing it when it comes to price. You know, you can look back on, on Pizza Boy, who's spent uh, however much 
Bitcoin, the thousands of Bitcoin on the pizza that we've talked about before. For me, that doesn't happen because I replace all the Bitcoin I spend. And so it's, you know, I'm spending it at the dollar amount and replacing it. Um, but you're not going to use an appreciating asset to buy your regular everyday goods or pay your rent. If you're smart, if you're smart, you're going to use U.S. dollars, a depreciating asset, and keep spending the assets that are depreciating rather than holding on to them. With Bitcoin, it's going up. The price is still being discovered. Uh, we're a little over 18 million Bitcoins in circulation, and we won't hit the full final one for another 120 years, roughly, give or take. Um, but as the halvening goes down and down and down, Every time you slice it in half, it's going to go down by less every time. So the price, I believe, will stabilize but also go higher because it's just uh, not widely adopted yet. Its use cases aren't really understood yet. And, you know, it's just also difficult. It is difficult. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And I will grant anybody who's, like, confused on it, you know, I'm confused on it too from time to time. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto famously said on, on the Bitcoin talk forum in 2010, uh, he was kind of talking about, you know, somebody was like, how could you set up a vending machine to work? Because the vending machine couldn't wait 10 to 20 minutes on a confirmation before it dispensed a product, you know? And he was basically saying like, you can set up a system where a node can verify that a payment is good and not being double spent within uh, a stronger certainty than the credit card companies can right now. And then he ended the post by saying, if you don't believe me or don't get it, I don't have time to try to convince you. Sorry. And that is so fucking powerful. Just think about that for a minute. This is the guy that came up with it. And it's 2010. And Bitcoin is worth jack shit. And everyone's like talking about these different use cases. This, all of these questions and all of these doubts have been explored time and time again. And that's sort of why it makes me chuckle every time because the people I'm hearing them from are saying them for the first time, but I'm hearing them for the hundredth time, the two hundredth time, the thousandth time sometimes. And Nakamoto said, if you don't believe me or don't get it, I don't have time to try to convince you. And that's the guy that came up with the shit. He understood that people are going to believe what they believe. And it's going to be like pulling teeth. It's not, it's not uh, of interest to me to change people's minds about it. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that combative anyway. And I also believe in freedom and you're going to do what you want. The reason that I tell people to get a full node is because I know that it'll give them more power and more control over some of their value and some of their and some of their money. Bitcoin is money. Make no mistake, it's money. And so, you know, I've seen it long enough to be confident in saying that and endorsing it. But that's okay if you don't see it. It's fine. It's not going to hurt my feelings. I don't even think that you're silly for it. Like I totally understand and I get it. And that's your decision. I want to end this whole discussion with a Frank Zappa quote because I think that's so appropriate. Frank Zappa said that uh, one of his favorite philosophies was people will agree with you only if they already agree with you. You do not change people's minds. And so 
I will keep on talking about the Bitcoin stuff that we do and what podcasting 2.0 comes up with and how to integrate and, you know, try to help people through uh, walls if they hit them. But what I'm not here to ever do is change your mind about it or debate about it or convince you because I really don't. I don't have the time or energy, but more importantly, I don't have the technical backing up to be able to do it. I just don't. And uh, I don't want to get into a situation where Bitcoin people are like listening and then hearing and flaming me because like either I'm not defending it right or I'm not, you know, saying the right convincing thing or like, oh, you should share the this article with them. Like, this is not what I want to get into. I'm not a Pied Piper of Bitcoin. I use it myself and I think it's great. And I think that a lot of these things that we're all concerned about, whether it's government overreach, whether it's, you know, freedom of speech, whether it's autonomy of our money, I think that Bitcoin can eventually solve a lot of these things. I really think that. But it's not, um, I'm not interested in signing up to convince anybody else for sure. And that's, that's, that's that. That is that. What do you think about that? Sounds great. Uh, I mean, can you believe that I don't have my own node yet? <laughs> I just cheer you on. I just cheer you on. You know I what love I'm... what you're doing, and it it stresses me out watching what you're doing, and I'm lazy, so I just haven't set up a node. This is... But maybe I will. This is what I'm interested in, is you getting a, another raspy, and then maybe pulling all of the Bitcoin off of the voltage node, and then just launching the raspy. Okay. And doing it that way. I think that's... Uh, pretty cool but only if you hold my hand through the whole process sure sure and i'm happy to do that for anybody else too to uh with the caveat of like to my ability to the extent that i'm able like this isn't by any means the thing i'm best at or the thing i know the best uh i just plow forward bit by bit piece by piece because (laughs) i just i've i i can't even put it into words man when when Adam and Dave started podcasting 2.0 and started talking about it, I just knew. I knew in my heart that that was the place I needed to be, and that was the thing I needed to be doing with my time. And that's it. I can't really explain it to you any other way. And by to you, I mean to you, the bowler. I'm not talking to anybody specifically when I say this. I'm talking to all of you. Um, I'm talking to all of you. Uh, I think you should get a note. I think it's a great idea. I want to participate in opening channels, getting rings of fire going, maybe private channels where we can do low fee stuff without getting hammered by the other guys. Um, and yeah, I don't want to get into any more Bitcoin stuff. Now I, I kind of all apologized all over my ass on the last show when we we're talking about Fletcher about it being boring. And I'm, I'm like, sorry that it's boring. Um, but really that's more of a panic cover for me because I understand that a lot of these areas, I don't know exactly what I'm talking about. Right. And I don't know its technical aspects. And the last thing I'm going to be able to do is like debate or argue about it. But um, that doesn't mean I'm like giving up or going anywhere or believing it any less. You know, um, I think it's the future. And I think it's not the future in a dystopian way either. I think it's the way that we hedge against a lot of the dystopian shit that can be rammed our way. And if you interact with the Bitcoin community, specifically Bitcoin, I'm not talking about crypto as a whole, um, but I'm talking about Bitcoin, you'll find that a lot of the people involved are of the same mentality. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I love you. (laughs) 
That's the one reason there. Oh, there's plenty more reasons, but <laughs> like uh, that meetup promo you made. Oh, that was hilarious fun. and epic. And I gotta thank Fletcher again for uh, giving me the the Fugazoto yell. Nice, thanks, Fletch. I I I was pretty sure he had one because most of the Dukes have a Fletcher yell uh, somewhere on file. And yes, Jeez. I do want to uh, plug the Kansas City meetup because it's going to be a fantastic meetup. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited about it. Uh, there's a lot of RSVPs, and it's going to be a lot of kids, man. A lot of human resources a lot coming of, in. A lot of human resources. <laughs> um, see, I put I know for a fact that I got another notebook paper with a bunch of notes on it, but I'm just not sure where the hell I set it. Oh, yes, and I see that the children have doodled on your notebooks. Oh, yeah. Also. I've always got doodles, man. But, yeah, the meetup, man. And also, Fletch yelling Fugazoto. Fugazoto, that's four syllables. That's tough. That is a tough that's one. That's a tough yell. That's a tough. That was a... Great job. Extra skilled yell. Yeah, noagendameetups.com. Uh, click on Saturday's meetup. For all my KC peeps, you got to come to this one because Fugazoto is going to be there for the first time. C-Mike's going to bring his whole family. So C-Mike and Dame Blackhammer and the whole, uh, all eight children, all eight human resources. And then Douche Bar sent me an email. He said, hey, I'm going to be smoking a brisket. So not only am I having the pulled pork there, but he's going to have the briskets. And uh, he's got six uh, six more. Or yes, that's right, right? Four, six? I don't know. I don't remember. He has six, and C Mike has eight. Yeah. So oh, man, I think so there's excited. like 24 RSVP'd, and, or no, there's 29 total RSVP'd, and I think like 16 human 19. resources. 19. If you count our kids, 19 at least so far. I'm trying to get my buddy to go and bring his daughter too. I think they might go. Sweet. Your so pop might go. My your pop will be there. My yeah. dad, my dad will be there. So yeah, There'll be a lot of first timers there, and a lot of uh, a lot of nice Kansas City barbecue from down home Kansas City people smoking it on their own Kansas City back porch, and it's gonna be a hell of a time. See, Mike's gonna bring his drone. I'm gonna bring my drone, so we should have some silly stuff to be able to put up on No Agenda Tube also. All right. I'm looking forward to this one a lot. We just reserved a picnic shelter at a park, so. Hodge Park. Hodge Park in the Northland. 3.33 this Saturday. July 31st. Last day of July. So you you better be a... Be, put your ass there, man. <laughs> Get in the car and drive. Get in the car and drive. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what you want to do. You live on the left coast? Start driving now. You'll make it. <laughs> East coast? Eh, you only need 24 hours to get out of here. Yeah, this is going to be a great one. It's going to be a great goddamn time. It's uh, going to be a great goddamn time. I sure. had I had a crypto story that caught my eye this week. Okay. Um, because I thought it was a follow-up to the story I brought last week with the 333 million seized crypto in England. Right. This was, uh, the headline says, suspect in alleged 30, no, $330 million crypto fraud offers to repay victims in exchange for temporary release. This is a different crypto scheme mm-hmm. with the 33 number popping into it. This guy from España, he promised hundreds of investors 25% weekly returns through his firm that he was running called Algorithmics. 
Mm. Uh, and he traded Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. So he was paying them. And then all of a sudden, in October 2020, I guess the payments stopped coming and he disappeared. Yeah. Well, they picked him up last June, this June, uh, 2021, in Spain. Um, and he says that investors weren't paid because he was having difficulties converting crypto into fiat at his bank. Uh, so he tried to buy his own bank to make the exchanges happen. And when that failed, he just gave up and the whole thing failed, in his opinion. Mm -hmm. But he says the investor's money is all safe and it's sitting in bank accounts he hasn't been able to get access to. So if the Spain National Court will give him like three to four weeks, he can make that money reappear. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so uh, his uh, scheduled court appearance is for next week. We'll see what the, what happens if they take his little offer. Where's the money, Lebowski? Yeah. I don't know. Three to four weeks, you could disappear pretty far in three to four weeks, I think. Oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me look again. Well, I just couldn't get to the banks. I bet the court's going to be like, we can get it then, you know. Now, I remember on the last episode of No Agenda, Adam Curry did mention that this was the lowest uh, amount of viewers that the Olympics had. Right. You know, viewers were way down. But he didn't mention that it was the lowest number of viewers in 33 years. Uh-oh. Yeah. Down to 17 million. You wouldn't even be able to get that if they hadn't postponed it one year. Get you know? it that low? Because that'd be eight Olympics ago, which was 33 years ago. Oh. But it should have been 32 years ago, right? Yep. You're right. This is, ugh, It's just all bleeding, coming together. <laughs> I don't know. The universe provides for 33s, dude. Very strange indeed. The previous low was 22 million. This year was down to 17 million. Rough. Very rough. I feel real bad for Japan. It's like you build all this stuff up for the Olympics and then they can't even fill your stadiums or bring you tourists to like put some money back into your economy. What the fuck? They really got hosed for sure. They got hosed. Now, I saw a headline. The U.S. shipping crisis is not going away as 33 cargo ships float off the coast of L.A. waiting to dock. And... Can I get a little ding-ding from my 33 cargo ships? Thank you. There was... The headline weirded me out, and maybe it's just me. Maybe this is a style error. Maybe this is... Maybe I'm being a grammar Nazi. I don't know. But it said, uh... These ships are floating off the coast of L.A. with no periods. So I read it as floating off the coast of Louisiana. And I was like, it would make more sense if they meant Los Angeles. And I clicked on it. And they did mean Los Angeles. Now, to me, if you were abbreviating Los Angeles, you would put some periods between the L and the after the A. L-A with periods. L-A together, Louisiana. Yeah, I could see I that. don't know. I, I might just it. be ant-fucking it, but anyway, that bugged me. I thought about it for a long while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the magic number popped up again in the article because the California ports, they account for 33% of all U.S. imports. Oh, Double 33s. Gotta pack them in there, man. Yeah. 33 people were shot in Chicago over the weekend. That's no big surprise. Uh, sev seven were fatalities. Um, and bullets ended up breaking the Mount Sinai Hospital windows. Not good. It's Chirac, though. I guess it's just another weekend. We got 33 people getting shot every week. And, uh, yeah. Then there was a story 
that caught my eye about a former Boy Scouts leader who was sentenced to 33 years in prison for child exploitation offenses. Oh, no. But I ask myself, why are they tarnishing the Boy Scouts name? Because he's not, he's a former Boy Scouts leader. He's not, like, involved. It didn't even say if he was an Eagle Scout or not, so I presume he isn't. Some 25-year-old dude from Boston, uh, and he was extorting nudes from middle school boys on Snapchat by pretending to be a teenage girl. Just gross. He had five different accounts and exploited at least 15 children. Oy vey. They said... No good. The kids he may have known through Boy Scout families that mm. he had met through his time. But I just was... Yeah, no, I don't have anything invested in Boy Scouts. You know, you're an Eagle Scout. Right. Uh, but I don't have anything invested in it. I just didn't appreciate how they put that in the headline. Like, <laughs> Boy Scout and then child exploitation. Yeah, I they're just trying to... It just seems like trying to push an agenda, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's associate these two things together. I mean, that's the that's the bitch of it. Like, you can meet circles of families through a lot of different organizations that have nothing to, you know, do with furthering exploitation, but people exploit those systems. It could be churches, it could be... It'd be just you know, your neighborhood groups. It could be your yeah your na- your local neighborhood block party. It could be anywhere that people show up. Kids you, you went know? to school with and their siblings. Yeah, but, I know. Uh, no, they want to make sure that they paint the line between the Boy Scouts and abuse. But why? Because the Boy Scouts are so progressive. They're letting girls be Boy Scouts. I don't get it. I think it's a lot of their <laughs> downfall. Honestly, is like you cave and it doesn't actually get you anything at all except for pushed back. That's it. You know. I think you're on to something. It's like, it's terrible negotiating tactic just to give the other side what they want for no reason. Yeah. They should have just told the Girl Scouts. Because then you're still a bastard. To you know? get a better curriculum. You're just a bastard who capitulated, but you're still a bastard. Mm. No winning. No. Well, the coof continues, of course. We were listening to No Agenda at your dad's house, and he said, I just wish they didn't talk about COVID week after week. And I laughed and I said, well, I wish COVID would end. Yeah, I wish the so news... So there was nothing to talk about. That's the problem. Like, I wish the news would stop talking about COVID. Yeah. But if the news stopped talking about COVID, there wouldn't be COVID anymore. And the news is a vital part of keeping it alive at all. So, of course, the news is going to talk about it. And the No Agenda, they always get flack for, like, the topics they choose. But you have to remember that No Agenda is a news deconstruction show and so they're going to be deconstructing the news yeah it's not like they get to choose the topics no they can't they can't choose what the news is talking about they just deconstruct it that's all that's That's all all. so i do have some coof stories now there were four 33 year olds who died this week i'm wrong i fucked it up i had three there were three 33-year-olds that got national coverage. Oh. That I'm sure another 33-year-old probably died and just didn't get a story written about him. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. I fucked up. <laughs> but <laughs> the first one it was one of those stories about this 33-year-old guy from New York. He goes on face bag all the time, writing these long posts, calling non-vaccinated people idiots and morons. And then, you know, 14 weeks later, after he gets his second jab, he's dead. Nice. Who's the moron now? I don't know. Uh, But the magic number popped up again because he had a wife, now widow, uh, whose family started a GoFundMe to help her out. And they raised $33,000 for his funeral expenses. So 
It wasn't clear whether he received the experimental shot from Pfizer or Moderna, um, but those were the only two it could have been because... Or the experimental shot from J&J. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it was only going to be Pfizer or Moderna because he got it on February 23rd, and those uh, were the only two available at the time. I see. Uh, the second dose was received March 24th, and the article. I'm talked, just I'm just saying you shouldn't imply that the J and J is not experimental. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. I wouldn't personally go to France, go to France, <laughs> or get any of the jabs, mostly because I don't like needles. Right. Well, That's I, my first and foremost reason for not getting jabs at all. I didn't get kind. the flu shot either. No, I didn't get the HPV thing when they tried to push that on me in college and. Just like, no. When this all started about two years ago, I remember going to a buddy's house for a game night that we called the COVID catch party or something like that. And we were all just sharing bottles and bowls. And it was <laughs> like, yeah, fuck, we're all, we're all going to get it eventually. So let's just get it over with now. Let's just get sick and get over it. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't think any of us did, but. <laughs> seemed reasonable at the time. Uh, look at it now. Now it know? just seems like a waste of time. Yeah, there is not just seasonal allergies is all I got right now. Walking around, you might get sick, but you might not. That's but all. you might because that's how life goes. So build up your immune system and be healthy. Now there was a fully vaccinated woman in New Orleans who uh, just died of COVID, who went to the hospital saying it's not COVID. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's just like. Uh... Your opinion, man. This is what haunts me, is the woman who's dead said it's not COVID, and then they put her down as a COVID death after she's fully vaccinated. Right. A big problem is she was obese. Sure. It's a big problem. It would contribute no matter what it was. Right. So. Some clotting factors going on, likely. We'll never know. We'll never know. But her mom even mentioned in the article she was a big girl, so that doesn't help. It's kind of wild because now they're not testing fully vaxxed patients under most circumstances at all for COVID. And it's just like a blatant number manipulation, you know? Hospitals are, like, instructed, no, don't give COVID tests to people who are double-jabbed. Yeah, well, here's this lady. And then, but unless they die, then then... make sure it was COVID if they die. Hmm. I don't know, man. Supoy, supoy. It's all incredibly dishonest. Yeah. Supoy indeed. (laughs) Uh, then the third 33-year-old death was an agoraphobic man who couldn't leave his house to get the vaccines. So he died of the coof. Yeah, well, it was an easy one for them to write off. Wow, I was like, dang, agoraphobic, just afraid to leave the house and be around people. Can you imagine having agoraphobia and then the scamdemic comes along? Just double down on the agoraphobics, man. Call and check in with an agoraphobic near you. I'd go for a bit phobic. <laughs> You'd go for a bit? I'd go for a bit. Luckily, there weren't so many reported cases and uh, mass deaths this week that were being reported with the magic number. Just Lawrence County, Pennsylvania, where their cases increased by 33 this week. And Fresno had 33 new cases reported. Nice. So, yeah. Seems a little bit slow again. It's slow, just the way I like it. <laughs> now let's get slow behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Slow it down. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's get sloaned. Sloaned? <laughs> no, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> There's some We're shitty, stoned. There's some shitty characters out there named Sloan. I don't want to be like them. Mm. But I do want to be like the stoners, because I am. 
But also, Cambridge University Press published a study showing that weed is not linked to a decrease in motivation. All right. That's like the oldest stereotype in the book. Mm-hmm. You lazy stoners, blah, blah, blah. Studies show marijuana can be very psychologically addictive. Man, f*** them studies. Yeah, fuck them studies. Except this one, because it is positive. Right. <laughs> That's how all studies go for the you know people paying the money to do them. Uh, it's crazy how much they spend on a, a headline. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It's like the, the the time and the money that goes into it, and then it just comes out as a headline on the other side, basically. It's worth a lot of money, though. You sway the masses and their opinions with just a headline. Yeah. I like money, though. And if you read the full study, you would see something interesting. Oh? The, uh, on average, you know, they saw these... They followed 14 to 17-year-olds. And as they got older, they started smoking more and more weed. The only correlation with smoking more and more weed as you got older is that you had a lower perception or lower perceived value of schooling. Uh-oh. More smoky, more weed? Fuck the school. Yeah, your opinion. well, you know, I can't really argue with that. I think you just start to see all the bullshit. You're like, what is this going to do for just me? Just like, oh, wow, I'm kind of wasting my fucking time. It brings you back to the age-old question we all might have asked in first grade of, when am I going to use this in real life? Yeah, no doubt. And the teachers would never answer that. Or they would give very cryptic answers, at least my teachers. Oh, I loved in math class, like, they would discourage you from using a calculator because it's like, well, you're not going to have a calculator in your pocket all the time. Look at me now. I got a calculator. It's yeah. on my phone. I have it's a, a computer, actually. have a super computer in my pocket the whole time. Yes. Yeah, shithead. Yeah, sucking in waves all day. Ugh. Yeah, fast tracking the tumors. I don't know. I don't actually know where my phone is most of the time, which is a lifestyle I appreciate. I just am purposefully forgetful on that aspect. Mm. But anyway, if you're flying into New York airports anytime soon, you'll be happy to know that cops are not going to seize your stash if it's less than three ounces. (laughs) If it's less than three ounces. (laughs) But I got to tell you, it's a step in the right direction after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. TSA, they're not law enforcement, but they are rule followers, and their rules tell them that they have to contact a law enforcement agency if they find federally illegal drugs yeah, well on they, you. They have so, uh, a shiny badge, right? And an epaulette. Epaulettes on their shoulders. Oh. So that's yeah, basically the same thing, right, as law enforcement. Pretty, uh, much, pretty much a cop. Yeah, pretty much a cop. Just stay away from TSA. They can touch your wiener. They can touch your wiener. They can touch your tits. Pretend like they have to. Scum. And just sexually assault people every day. But here they are, 20 years after 9-11. Here we are. Still take our shoes off. Yeah. No, I'm not getting on any uh, commercial airlines. I've said it before. So. I can say it again. I could. I could live my whole life. Without doing any more commercial flights. Honestly, there's a story. And I would not be sad. You, with uh, a young baby now in my life, there's a story you tell, Spence, about when you were a little kid and you flew, and that has just r- ruined it for me, where your eardrum ruptured. 
Oh, yeah. And then I hear about this happening to people all the time. Mm-mm. Now we're putting my kids through that because they're your kids, too. And so if you had that happen, maybe they're at an increased risk or something. <laughs> no, let them get older. It kind of hurts. Build those eardrums up. I don't know how it works, but <laughs> I'm thankful that it never happened to me because I wouldn't handle that too well. <laughs> so there's a new lawsuit in Utah claiming that out-of-state companies were given preference during the business application process for medical weed, the eight medical uh, cultivation licenses awarded in 2019 specifically is what this is all about. They claim that the Utah Department of Agriculture and Food was coaching multi-state growers on how to best succeed. Mm. And originally, the state's rules were that you had to be in-state to apply for a license. Well, wouldn't you know, last minute that changed and allowed out-of-state companies to apply for licenses. And here come all these multi-state growers who worked with the Department of Agriculture and Food in Must Utah. be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice. So they had already networked with the people who would be judging and scoring their applications. So yeah, I think that's a little fishy. Uh, the group that started the lawsuit, JLPR Inc., they're asking the state regulators to grant them a cultivation permit or put them as first in line for the next one that becomes available along with an unspecified amount of monetary damages. Mm. So, now it's no surprise to us, or No Agenda listeners, that Amazon is officially a registered cannabis lobbyist. (laughs) Yes, they have been actively lobbying in D.C., and now they are talking with fellow activists at groups such as DPA and Normal. And, uh, you know, just to flash the cards a little bit of their power they spent 17.9 million dollars lobbying last year that's last year so who knows how much they'll put into the weed game this year and whose uh legislation they're gonna back yeah got some ideas yeah but i don't want a bad law no i would rather wait longer and pass a good law that simply all I, this is all i want you just take weed off the controlled substances act no further law no further writing. Just take it off the controlled substances. Yep. And then that's, it's free. That's how we free the weed. That's all I want. I'm not asking for that much. It's actually very simple. Yeah. On, on behalf of the people, I have to write the bill, you know. All I would say is remove the term marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act. Just no, do it. They, they want something that's like 5,800 pages long that no one can understand. Or read the whole thing of even. They don't even read it. Correct. Oh, it's a weed bill. We're going to deschedule weed. Yeah, great. Thanks. Here's my signature. You can count me in as a vote. And if you buy me dinner. Disgusting. Disgusting. Uh, I did send you a clip. Oh, boy. From a House Judiciary Committee meeting this week. This will be clip one. Uh, but to preface it, they were discussing the Equal Act proposed by Cory Booker and Dick Durbin. Uh, which would eliminate the sentencing disparity between crack and powder cocaine, um, you know, and it would retroactively apply to those who've already been convicted or sentences. But that ended up, the discussion around crack sentences turned into the failure that is the war on drugs, which of course brought up in a timely manner the Olympics 
and Shikari Richardson's suspension. Here is what Representative Stephen Cohen had to say on the matter. Marijuana is not a performance-enhancing drug unless you're entered in the Coney Island hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. I had to clip it out. It's something we've said. Not a performance enhancer. Definitely not. Unless your performance sucks. Mmm, sex. Eating. <laughs> eating or sex. <laughs> Gives an f- unfair advantage to those eating or sex. I would put it an uh, unfair advantage for sitting on your ass also. I, or working out. It just kind of depends where you're going, you know? I'm really getting kick out of the, the videos of uh, going around Twitter right now. It's like a side-by-side of Joe Biden's grandstanding in the, oh. mid, the mid-90s of crack versus powder cocaine and how we have to lock up all the crack uh, cocaine users. Uh, and that's like <laughs> superimposed with Hunter Biden smoking crack on I the other side, that. just like simultaneously. Oh my god! And it's then like, at the end, he's just like staring in the camera, rubbing his head and looking cracked out. Yeah, I know, man. It's a great one. They're rough videos to watch. Dude. It, it's uncomfortable for sure. Imagine if it had been Don Jr. Oh god! <laughs> you never it, hear the end of it. We would have the videos like memorized and etched in our memories. Every movement, every flick of the bick. Yeah, they would have made him Nixon himself. It just, yeah, would have been seeing it everywhere. You'd turn around, there'd be pictures in the bathroom stalls. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. It's fucked up. How the times have changed. How the turntables. How the tables turn. <laughs> uh, so in Pennsylvania... The Supreme Court ruled in favor of an investigative reporter, Wallace McKelvey of Penn Live and the Patriot News, who argued that the state had improperly allowed medical marijuana companies to redact their license applications and ultimately withhold information that's subject to disclosure under public information laws. So now, the redacting falls upon the Pennsylvania Department of Health. But they argued that it shouldn't fall upon them because they don't know what is sensitive information or proprietary information to these businesses. But too bad. So sad. You have to do the redacting now. What a pain in the ass. They said some of these applications are like over 100 pages long. I was like, damn. But, I mean, you know, working government kind of guaranteed pain in the ass jobs. Yep. I've been on the flip side of requesting information and getting the, that's a real pain in the ass job. I really don't want to send you that. And me being like, I don't care. I asked you for it. Yeah. It's kind of I don't of care how law. long it takes. It's you, the law. Yeah. You work for me, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. So last token Tuesday, Strawberry Fields became the first Denver dispensary approved to work with a delivery company. Oh, look at that. To bring weed straight to customers' doors. Knock, knock. Of course, in Denver, only social equity applicants are allowed to try and be delivery services for the next three years. Interesting. So, this is all pushed as, ah, we're working with social equity companies. Look at us. We're working with social equity delivery companies. Like, that's how they phrase it. It's not even, like, oh, we got a delivery driver. We've got a social equity delivery driver. 
we practice the good kind of discrimination, not that bad kind of discrimination. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good and discrimination. Yeah. Two words I never thought I'd see juxtaposed next to each other, but here we are. It feels so good. So, Strawberry Fields was the only applicant in Denver so far for delivery services. So, uh, I don't know if people just aren't interested or... People need to get out there and get some weed busts on their record real quick. You know... So they can deliver weed. Yeah. Fucking clown show. Fucking clown show. Indeed. And it's just also, you know... So all these dispensaries are using third-party companies to do the delivery... And uh, I'm just, just a guess here, just a, taking a gander. Maybe these delivery companies are going to find it's easier to just work with the growers and go straight from, you know, whole catalog of products to the customers, as we've seen in some other states. Well, it'd be way easier on the supply side of things. I mean, if you're talking plus minus one middleman, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. I honestly don't know how you could do it any other way. I mean, I suppose you just use the same model that all the food delivery places use, however they pull that off. I don't know how those people aren't losing money hand over fist, but uh, it's like uh, what everybody's using now. Yeah, it's like you see someone pay almost $20 for a Starbucks coffee. You're just like, why? I mean, you just go and pay the $3. Well, you got to wonder if the end user really is paying that much over. I mean, you know that they're paying more than they would walk into the store, but it can't be that much over. <laughs> Plus, shit, all those intro deals, you're like, oh, you're, you know, your first delivery's free or whatever. Oh, like, right, yeah. Like, they've got to be losing their asses on this. I mean, I delivered for Postmates for a little while, like a little stretch. And the amount the ticket was versus, like, what I would make on it, if you add all that up, you know, there's like 12 bucks on top of a $14 Wendy's meal, you know? Crazy. Like, how is that gonna, how is that going to jive? Are these people really paying twenty six bucks plus tax and tip for a Wendy's meal? Like, I don't think that's. I would hope not, but I think people will pay for convenience and laziness. I think, I think people will, but enough to keep the whole thing floating. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, I do. Know. I get I get flyers in the mail all the time that are like free delivery if you order with fishy, this code. Man. Something's fishy about those places. Yeah, well, you know, just doesn't add up dollars and cents wise to me. It sure doesn't. I actually got an ad today for an app that's allegedly going to allow digital payments to dispensaries. And so how it works is this app partnered with a bank and you take your funds and you just put it on the app so that it doesn't technically go through the bank. And then you can just go into the dispensary that's working with this app and they can scan your QR code and it comes out. But your statement will say it's a bank deposit. To the bank partner, so I don't know how it works. Montel Williams was on the board of the app, though. I was oh, well, like, oh, there he is. It's solid then, yeah. Now, I know Montel got diagnosed with MS in 99, so he is a medical user. That's correct. But, boy, it was sure weird to see him walking into the Missouri, uh, you know, lobbying in Missouri all yeah. of a sudden for one uh, veterans-related bill. And we had our all-star Missouri veterans there. Ready yep. to, you know, do the fight. And then here's Montel Williams. So then all the big news are there. And they're like, Montel Williams, marijuana activist. And it's like, hey, what about the activists behind him that are out here every single goddamn day? Mm, not interested. Not interested. They never are. Ugh. But anyway. 
I just thought it was interesting. I was like, why am I getting this ad? I don't have recreational weed out here. Do you know Oprah? Because that man knows Oprah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was on the TV. I know what I see on the TV is the truth. That's right. That's right. Can't believe that I heard a lady fucking right. actually say that. I saw it on TV. I know it's true. Real people. People really live this way. No doubt. Anyway, the Preserving Welfare for Needs Not Weed Act was reintroduced last week by Tom Rice and has been referred to the House Committee on Ways and Means. Very simply, it prohibits welfare recipients from using the money to buy weed. And I didn't realize this, uh, but cash benefits are already restricted at casinos, liquor stores, and strip clubs. So, you know, why not throw weed in there, I guess. Although, it's medicine. So it's like, why not throw the pharmacy in there too? But I don't know. I don't know. Because for me, of course, I just think welfare is a complete misuse of taxpayer money. (laughs) (laughs) I think leave it to charities and or, you know, nonprofits. I don't think the government should be supporting and helping people. I'm a terrible person. Government's very bad at it. I would rather see churches and local organizations handling money to help people than the government. I did just government gibbs i'm not into it i really don't like seeing it they misuse my taxpayer money every single time i check in on what they're doing you know yeah i'm like why 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 and then they keep spending it and they have to spend it all because they have to be able to validate asking for more the next year you know every penny gone to stuff i don't even support or believe in stupid you're so stupid they are. They are. The, you know, the bowlers and us, we could run this government so much better. We just cut so much stuff. It would be so simple. Yeah. Basically just be running off the Ten Commandments, you know? Just eliminate <laughs> 95% of all of it at a minimum. Yeah. We're just crossing off words here. Unnecessary words. Get it down to something. Everyone can, all the laws, you know, everyone should be able to read them. All of them. No loopholes and whatever. Ugh. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That would be nice. So the Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board released an interpretive statement this week saying that processors cannot convert convert hemp-derived CBD into Delta 9 THC, which comes as a big relief to cultivators because uh, I guess they could be undermined by federally legal hemp if that's a thing they've been doing. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, and of course, this is an interpretive statement, not law, so uh, I would say it's not likely to be enforced, but we'll see. We'll see. I guess the whole process of converting uh, CBD extract, mostly isolates, into THC versus growing weed, the plant, is cheaper in the long run. And uh, there is a quote from a grower who said, They haven't been able to sell their biomass for extraction because uh, processes are buying and making THC from hemp-derived CBD. Mm. Cheaper, faster, more plentiful. Yeah. Just wild. It's like, (laughs) I don't know. And And I just, personally, I'm still such a fan of the entourage effect. You know, like whole sure. plant medicine. Yes. So all these extractions and pulling certain cannabinoids out or whatever they're doing. It's just so wild to me. It's, it's like the same way that the pharmaceutical companies have fucking made us totally sick and dependent. Like we're like sicker than we've ever been. 
more fucked up than we've ever been. More people are on drugs and medication and than ever have been. More people are autistic. More people are allergic to this and that and the other thing. Yeah, we're weak. They've weakened us. Here we are, sick and weak. But so not us like bowlers. The, we... the life expectancy has gone slightly up while the while the health overall has gone down. Ugh. What's up with that? Oh, it's good for business. <laughs> I see. Oh, it's very good for their business, that's for sure. Ugh. Big food, yucky. Big pharma, yucky. Big hot dog better stay away from this show. Oh, no joke. Well, they're making attacks on the hogaroos. This is America, you dumb, 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 dumb son of a bitch. We can Ta-ta put there, retarded. We can put ketchup on our hot dogs here if we so choose. You didn't fall proto, buddy. You're done. You're done. Um, so since 2014, Congress has passed annual spending bills that include a provision protecting state-sanctioned weed operations uh, from federal prosecution by the Department of Justice. And the language of it says medical. So, as early as next week, U.S. House representatives could vote on what is known as the Blumenauer-McClintock-Norton-Lee Amendment. That's a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. Which would simply remove the word medical from the language to extend the protections to all state-sanctioned weed businesses. Ah, that means, uh, you know what that means. It's a step in the right direction after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction after all. I'm not going to let it bother me too much, but I think they could have just called it, like, Weed Protection Amendment or something instead of literally putting their names on it. (laughs) But whatever. We know everyone wants their name on the weed. Well, they usually put the some goofy acronym. Well, here they just have BMLE. BMLE. (laughs) BMNL. Not really rolling off the tongue. No. No. So... A Florida businessman was ordered to pay the SEC nearly $3 million after being charged with defrauding more than 60 retail investors out of approximately $5.5 million. Damn. Yeah. He uh, raised this money between 2015 and 2019 by uh, telling the investors he was going to purchase a Colorado-licensed dispensary network and conduct an IPO or merge with an over-the-counter public company to generate significant profits for investors. Where did the money go? Well, he spent $1.2 million on 11 classic and luxury vehicles, 465000 on cryptocurrency. He spent 580000 to pay off his mortgage. Smart. Paying off your 580000 mortgage there, buddy, though, with stolen money. It sounds like you're living a little bit above your means. And uh, 335000 went to an adult entertainment facility in Tampa. That's as specific as it got. Nice. Nice. Toy. Toy. <laughs> so, you remember Standing Akimbo, the Denver-based weed rail- retailer mm-hmm. that tried to take their um, Section 280E tax complaint to the Supreme Court? Yeah. Last June, the Supreme Court said, well, we're not going to hear your case. Mm-hmm. They have decided to resubmit their case and hope that the justices will have a change of heart. 
Oh, brother. I'm not going to hold my breath. No um, doubt. But it really does suck that weed businesses can't take standard business tax deductions. Yeah, it's it should be a cut and dry equal protection violation, but nothing is cut and dry for the courts these days, you know? No, it's kind of strange. Nobody wants to touch the weed thing. It's like everybody is so over it except for the institutional powers. Really makes you fucking thinking on. Really activates the almonds. No doubt. Now, a dispensary in Quincy, Massachusetts, a suburb of Boston, for those unfamiliar, they're being sued by a creditor for more than $21 million in debt. Plus interest that the shop owes. Big oofs. Oh, and it was just a long story of where this money came and went to. Um, right now it's with the creditor known as Teneo Funds that requested in this lawsuit that the court halt any transfer of assets by the dispensary and that a receiver be appointed to run it. Now, this creditor acquired the debt from a former creditor, Tilt Holdings, in February for $1.25 million in a portion of future collections, a fraction of the overall value. In 2018, when Tilt acquired the debt and extended a line of credit to Ermont, that's a dispensary name, um, they ended up running into an issue with the Massachusetts regulators over allegations that their company, the creditor's company, overstepped industry caps on ownership stakes. And basically, they were working with more than three stores, which you're not allowed to do, I guess. So they had to pay a $275,000 settlement to the state. And uh, anyways, I don't know, this debt ended up going into default. Now they find themselves owing $21 freaking million. Damn, that's a lot of so, money. In March, the dispensary said it would pay all debt except for 220000 But as of April, that debt has been in default. Hmm. Here we are, passing hands. I just the buying and selling of other people's debt is a really gross it's industry. It's really gross, really gross, and you know, being able to spend money you don't have in the first place is dangerous. Yes, and scary and gross. Ill-advised at best. Yeah, and then when you spend the money you don't have, you can borrow more money that you don't have to pay that back plus interest with maybe a lower interest rate. And then when you can't pay that back, you can maybe take out more invisible money that you don't have to pay that off. Ugh, we see it everywhere. <laughs> it gets pretty wild, man. Three more stories. I'm sorry. There was a lot of weed going on oh, it's nice. this week. It's a nice load. New Mexico. There's a novelty and gift shop called Speakeasy. They were served a cease and desist order yesterday because they started gifting weed with these sticker purchases people were making. People were going and buying stickers that ranged in cost from 15 to $90. Mm. $90 stickers. And they expensive. would get a weed sample. Ah. I'm sure that the sample uh, varied based on the price of your sticker you were buying. <laughs> I would like the $60 <laughs> sticker, sir. Smoke in a bowl, sir. Now, New Mexico law prohibits giving away weed products. But there's also a section in the law that conflicts with that, saying uh, that it allows for the transfer of weed products without financial consideration. Hmm. So, um, you know, hey, I guess this needs to go to court and uh, figure itself out. But it reminded me of 
the New Jersey company gifting we talked about in episode 88 where this company, I think they were a delivery company in New Jersey, and they would have, like, bakery good add-ons. Like, you can buy a cupcake. Do you want the $10 cupcake or the $150 cupcake? And that was so that they could skirt the purchase limits. You know, they could Uh, add on more weed and get paid for the weed, but not have to market. They would just say, oh, yeah, and then they bought a dozen cookies. Money laundering 101. $90 Ninety dollar yeah. cupcakes, and they were served cease and desist orders. So you know, you're not gonna get away with it. All eyes are on weed right now. All eyes on weed. Um. Also, in New Mexico, the state court of appeals upheld a decision to allow the state's largest medical cannabis producer, uh, what's their name, Ultra, to open two new dispensaries, and um, the Department of Health had already lost a court battle with them when they tried to stop them from opening these two facilities. Uh, and the reasons their grounds for trying to stop them is, one, that one dis- one of the dispensaries is located inside a senior living facility, and the second was because of stocking issues. Okay. Seems vague. Uh, but lo and behold, they lost Ultra One, and uh, they will now be operating 25 dispensaries statewide. Wow. Yeah. Oh, there's a bitch slap. Yeah. And my final weed story comes out of the show me state here oh, yeah. in Missouri. So in August 2019, a man was arrested for possession of marijuana. And he was sent to drug court, but ended up going to prison because he didn't stop smoking weed. Well, and, you know, yeah. He kept popping positive, so he went to jail. Oh, it says prison. So you went to prison in 2020. <laughs> we know how that all goes. I'm never, ever, ever going to smoke weed again. <laughs> so anyway, he got out, went on probation, and got a medical card so okay. that he could legally smoke weed for his medical ailments. Sure. Uh, so when he got a call from his probation officer, you know, he had to do the pee test. And he right. said, hey, I'm a medical card carrier now, so I'm going to pop positive. He did pop positive. And that sent him back to prison. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So he just got out last month. Now, the story is a little fractured because the rest is no longer about him. Just using him as an example. Because the client of an attorney who's taking a very similar case to court, I don't believe wants to be identified. So they use that other guy's anecdote to uh, okay. share the story. But... Anyways, there's a court case to see whether a Missourian can lawfully use medical weed with a valid medical card while on probation. Seems like uh, you should be able to. I mean, I would think you should be able to, but the the only reason you couldn't is if it's a specific condition of your parole but like you know if they're drug testing all parolees then that has to stop you know but again in a legal market there should be no reason that it's a condition of parole it's not a crime anymore but yeah. uh these are the these are the hiccups of rolling out the legal system you know yeah now a quote from the attorney he says This case is more about the Missouri Constitution. It's about whether a state agency acting under state law, under the state constitution, can punish someone while the amendment plainly states that they cannot be criminally punished under the state constitution. Yeah, that's pretty cut and dry. I hope they win. I hope they win, too. 
And man, that is going to be like exploding floodgates for people on probation. No doubt. Oh, I can just go get a medical card? Well, looky here. That's it. That's all the weed news I have. Thanks for bearing with me on that. Absolutely. No, that was a great report. (laughs) Appreciate your report. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we have to think back to the first time we ever called someone by the wrong name. That's right. You can weigh in by uh, calling or texting. Uh, 816-607-3663, as a few people did. But before I play the first one, uh, I did want to say that the uh, metal moment was scheduled for tonight uh, by Reverend Cybertrucker, and uh, he is actually in the boonies of Colorado and is not uh, getting enough signal to shoot the... uh, Full file over to us. He just is, has just enough to text us. Oh, so. But Boonies of Colorado, that sounds fun. Next week, perhaps we will uh, be revisited with the metal moment. Yes. Rev, Rev Cyber Trucker, we do love the metal moment. It's so metal. I think we're going to New Zealand next, right? I believe that was right. Woo! Kiwi metal. Kiwi metal. Kiwi metal. But we want to hear about the first time. You ever called somebody by the incorrect name? How embarrassing. Like this first caller. Well, you know, the first time, I don't know. Actually, I'm probably the one who gets the uh, called the wrong name all the freaking time. So to me, that's, you know, I don't know, that's much more interesting of a story. I guess when you have a name that, like Facts Boy? you know, I think. Named by Drunkstone Hippies, so, you know, and and they decided to put a silent E in my name, and so, Yeah. My name gets mispronounced, misspelled, whatever. Jeremiah? Uh, there's a reason I have no problem with people calling me phone boy because that's just freaking easier. Um, but this is, it is, um, you know, and I, I went through a period of time where I would correct people all the time. And at some point I'm like, whatever, right? And I don't know, I don't remember exactly when that happened. It was probably, I don't know, it probably took me in my 30s maybe before I was like, whatever, you know, just as long as I kind of know that you're referring to me. Um, now, I've also been misgendered when I weighed, uh, you know, I don't know, when I, when, I, when I had long hair back in the 90s. I gotta, I'll have to find this picture. Uh, maybe I'll share it in the bowl at some point. I don't know. It's not something I necessarily want on the interwebs. Uh, but, uh, you know, globally. But, yes, I had a picture of myself from the 90s where, yeah, I could – between the fact I was overweight and the and my and my curly hair that I had back in the day, yeah, I was misgendered too, right? So, um, yeah, that was uh, after a while I got kind of tired of that, and I, that, that's probably what ultimately motivated me to shave off that. That, that and I couldn't grow it past a certain point. It's like my hair will grow very well, but it does not grow um, past a certain point. And yeah, the, the same thing with facial hair and everything else. Uh... Um, I was going to say. So needless to say, when I, I try to get people's names right, sometimes it's a mispronunciation, especially with uh, some of the foreign languages that I that we often uh, are that I'm often encountering in, in my uh, day job. But, uh, yeah, it, it's there's a reason people have some somewhat simple nicknames. And that's why it's like half the company I work for calls me phone boy, because, well, that's just it. That's easier to remember. And most of them know me as that anyway. So what can I say? But uh, that's. Uh, you know, uh, that is, that's that's life. This is a scam. <laughs> and her head is gone. Yeah, that's the uh, the facial hair won't grow up past a certain way. I was gonna say when I if uh, I don't really get spoken to in public, let alone misgendered. But 
If I was ever misgendered, I'd probably just turn around. That would solve that pretty quick, I think. Yeah, the mustache is a pretty good giveaway. It's like, you're a man, baby. I could understand maybe getting it wrong from behind. Because my hair is like way past my shoulders now. It's yeah. Long gung gung gung. And you have a very nice butt. <laughs> it's true. Nice butt. Well, thank you. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Hey, when was the first time you ever <laughs> called somebody by the wrong name? So I originally thought, uh, I don't know why I thought of this first time I ever uh, trying to sleep one night when my brain is like wired and I can't shut it off. Uh, but I've been thinking ever since then. It was like two weeks ago, <laughs> at least. And I don't really remember, but I do have like a, I remember people calling me the wrong name, just like phone boy. It's like that kind of stuff sticks out in my head. I'm sure I've been a douchebag and mispronounced someone's name and just, you know, whatever. Uh, but <sighs> Lauren Rose. I think it's Loreen. I think it's Loreen. Oh, Lorian. 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 Yes. Lorian. Lorian. JCD got it. Can you imagine that? JCD got it. <laughs> oh, Lorian. You read the anecdote. <laughs> uh, but, you know, my grandma used to tell me, like, don't say things out loud that you wouldn't want other people to hear you say because eventually you'll slip up and it'll just come out. <laughs> yeah. You know, like my uh, passive use of the word retard. It's just part of how I talk. Sure. You know, and that's been, that's always been a part of my vocabulary. Um, I remember on Facebook when I was still there pre-2016, I used the term and in my rage quit session of goodbye forever, you fucking retards. <laughs> and... Someone was like, that's not very, uh, that's not something you'd say in polite society. And I was like, actually, I am a retard, and I will call myself and others retard as I please. In polite society. Like, whenever. This is America, okay? But anyway, let me take you back to the year 1997. I was four years old. Oh. I was in dance class. And, I don't know, I didn't really, like, jive with any of the kids in the class, so I just kind of did my own thing. I was, like, a little loner. I got along with everyone fine, but I wasn't, like, besties with anyone. But there was this girl, uh, and her uh, folks clearly didn't like my uh, my folks, my great-grandparents. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what the beef is there. Uh, but it, it came through her in this class, and she had these twin friends. And one day, we were all sitting watching uh, some older class like do a dance or whatever to be like inspire us this is what you could be as future dancers you know these mediocre kind of pudgy girls that they're still dancing they've been dancing <laughs> for 17 years and look at them they're doing it Woo! you could do it um and i noticed out of my peripheral that this this girl and her twin friends are inching towards me inching towards me so i'm like oh she's gonna say something to me maybe maybe she's gonna like ask me to be friends with her or something because I'm naive and so finally she's right next to me and she taps me on the shoulder and I turn my face she spits in my face oh my god and then the twins start giggling like this was awesome plan right well jokes on her because my papa my great grandpa was a freaking you know packed a two pack a day smoker and we were always hawking loogies and having spitting contests you know who could spit further it was always him but I could hawk a loogie, so I fucking hawked a loogie in her face. And from that day forward, was like, no respect for her. I was no longer naive that she was not to be a friend. And her last name is something like Brainowitz. 
So I started calling her Bitchowitz. <laughs> I was four years old. I just started calling her Bitchowitz to all of my family. Dios mio. I don't even, I might have been in like kindergarten, but she didn't go to school with me. So I just Bitchowitz, Bitchowitz, Bitchowitz. Well, anyway, <laughs> Joe, you know, I go to high school. In my high school was two towns in one. And there she was in my high school. Uh-oh. And so then there was like some introductory thing. And I was like, oh, yeah. I like smiled and waved at her. I was like, hey, Erica Bitchowitz. It just came out. Oh, no. I just like full name called her with Bitchowitz. And that's it. That's like the, the <laughs> one time I could think of where I definitely called someone by the wrong name. Old times, bro. Old times coming back for new times. Oh, man. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of her until I saw her at that moment. But it's like Bitch-a-wits. me saying it all the time, me complaining about her in my dance class. You like, didn't even remember her out. real name because it's bitch. Yeah, it's just Bitchowitz. I really don't remember her real last name. Savage. It was savage. People That's asked really me savage. about it. I got to tell her. I was like, yeah, she schemed and spit in my face. So I hocked a loogie on her. You know who else is savage? This next caller. No doubt. So I can't. I don't think I can really remember. I'm sure there's many a times in the past that I called somebody by the wrong name because I'm awful with names. I uh, me too, by the way. I get them wrong all the time. Uh, certain people's names uh, stick out. Uh, obviously, if it's something a little bit different, like DeLorean would stick out to me. Uh, Spencer too, because well, I I grew up living next door to a man that was named. Spencer. Oh. Um, was anyway, he me? Uh, <laughs> certain names just do, do not, I don't know why. So, um, huh. and it sometimes I think it's the person too that I see them as something other than what their name is. I know years ago when we were in uh, like a classroom setting, uh, when I used to actually do drafting on a drafting board. Nice. Uh, it was the guy that I was calling Ted. I've done that once. Because I heard somebody else call him that. And then, uh, Finally, somebody pointed out this name is Scott, uh, <laughs> and said it to me. They said, "Yeah, you know his name's Scott." Or like, oh, I I didn't know that. I thought his name was Ted. And he's like, "Why did you think that?" I said, "Well, Bill over there was calling him that. I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, other than that, right now I deal with a guy for uh, that we purchased one of our softwares through. Um, his name is John, but I constantly call him Joe. How could you? Uh, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I have to, like, burn it into my brain when I'm calling him. that I'm like, John, 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 John. And I know a bunch of Johns, but I call John all the time. I know John Fletcher from the Hog Story. Oh, my God. Um, the but, yeah, <laughs> for some reason, this guy's name, I have to sit there and say it over and over because I was getting it wrong so many times. I was literally in a meeting with this guy, and uh, we got out of the meeting, and the owner of my company, the former owner, turned to me, and he goes, you know that guy whose name's John, right? And I'm like, wait, what, what was I calling on? <laughs> He's like, Joe. <laughs> so, But other than that, um, you know, I really, I mean, my, my name, you could uh, go many different ways with it um, as far as uh, different versions of that name. Uh, kind of like Spence, Spencer, Spencey. I don't think, probably wouldn't like that. But anyways, um, I hate it when guys are like, like their name's Dave, and they're like, or it's David, but you call him Dave, and they're like, uh, no, sorry, it's David. Yeah. So I really, 
it really doesn't bother me if people call me different renditions of my real name. So. Oh, so close. Damn, I was almost perfect. I just call him back to say, in the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. Net Netty. <laughs> Net Nedzy. Uh, actually, Lorian solved that problem. She's the first one that ever called me Spinny. Yes, because I needed uh, something to fit singing sp 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 Spinny in the Jets. <laughs> and Spinny was great. Like Spinny, she called me Spinny, and I was like, oh shit, that's perfect. Nobody ever called me Spinny. And people used to call, my dad's name is Dennis. People used to call him Denny all the time. But I never could make the connection of Spinny. And like, my mom on a few occasions called me Spency. But yeah, it's kind of. Like as soon as as soon as when you say Spency, it's like uh, Spency, and it's just like kind of weak. It needs to be followed by meet my puppy. But Spinny, Spinny, you know, hey, you can talk about Spinny. It's no big deal. Yeah, Spinny's spaghetti. Spinny's a little, I don't know, a little bit tougher, a little bit whatever, you know, <laughs> like a buddy, like. <laughs> Even though I spell it with an I E. It's Spinny from Boston. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it, I liked it. Not as much as I like this next caller, though. Bowlers! You lovely, beautiful people. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Oh, wait! I'm going to pause you, though, because I didn't say... Remember I said about the transcription? Oh, when, yeah. When NetNed said hog story, it put birth story. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. That's a stretch. Sorry, Fletchy. People. Hi. How are you? We're good, we're good, we're good. So good. Great to hear. Yeah. Fucking love you, people. Love you, man. Why can't the world be smaller so I can just I hang out know. with you guys? So fucking like far. Every weekend. You could come Saturday. You didn't. You didn't ask to hear that though. You <laughs> want to hear about the first time I ever uh, called someone by their wrong name? Yeah. Look, I'll be honest. I'm retarded. I do that shit all the time. Oh my god! Really? And uh, I know you're half retarded. The first time I was ever like really, truly embarrassed by it. I was in a band with this guy. I played bass. He played guitar. Good guitar player. We were in a band for like a fucking year together. <laughs> and I kept calling him by the wrong last name. Oh, shit. That whole fucking time. Okay. And it wasn't until, like I said, in a band a fucking year together. Then he's like, dude, my last name is not Kerr. I'm like, well, what is it then? Like, that's the last name that shows up on, on the caller ID He's like, man, that's my stepdad's last name, and I hate that motherfucker. So oh. stop calling me that name. I'm like, well, shit. Well, then he told me his last name, and I never could remember. And I still don't. Oh, God damn it. I still fucking think his name's Jerry Kerr, and that's totally not it. Oh, Doc's the guy. Oh, no, that's okay. That's not his real name. Oh, nice. But whatever. Super embarrassed by it. My face turned red because I was with that guy for a long time. Not with him sexually. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> What am I saying? What Love are you guys, saying? Bye. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> what am I saying? Am I? Did I say that out loud? Oh my god, that's my favorite. When people like correct you, and then you just go, "What? What did I say?" <laughs> that's my favorite response to like being told you said something wrong. Like, no, it's this. Oh, what? What did I say? <laughs> that's a good one. There was a couple of gyms in that one, including uh, Mike Welsh It Off. <laughs> huh. All capitalized, those four words for some reason. <laughs> um, God damn it. What else did I see in there? Something else. 
It's in there. Anyway, that's a good one. Man, why did he wait so long if it bothered him that bad? That's the thing I don't understand is people will like something bothers them, but then they keep it inside. Oh, I hate that type of shit. It's like, dude, if you're bothered, then let a brother know. Like, because then you just tell me right away, and then it's no big deal for either of us. But for for a fucking year? Come on, man. Like, I'm sorry, but you're not allowed to build up a year's worth of resentment for me. Yeah. (laughs) Because, Because you didn't let me know what the fuck was up. That's just like... That's just dumb, brother. That's on you. That's on you. Man, it's funny because you came up... Well, it felt like out of the blue that you came up with that F-tie. But maybe you had it in your head already. I don't remember where it came from. Because you seemed ready to go it with was, it. it. You was, were just like... Blah, blah, blah. You were just like, well, first time you called someone with the wrong name. I'm like, okay. But I remembered mine. Because you said it, and then like in three seconds... Oh, yeah. I realized it. Because it was one of the first times I was ever like... Embarrassed. Yeah. It was in kindergarten. It was like the first day of kindergarten, I'm pretty sure. Had to have been. And it was at recess, and I saw this girl who was in my class, and I was like, oh, hi, Selena. And then she gave me like the most confused look ever, and I was just like, uh, whatever. And I kept, I kept, I kept going, you know, I was like, all right, well, okay, you're going to be a fucking weirdo, that's fine. And I just kept playing. Then we went back inside. And then when we got inside, I was like, Selena, you okay? She was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, you didn't talk to me on the playground or whatever. She's got a twin sister. Come to find out. Oh. Her twin sister is not named Selena, but they look the same. Mm, identical twins. And so I called her sister by her name. And yeah, I felt like a complete idiot. But I was like, ah, that is why she was looking confused. And then I kind of was like, okay, but like, what? Does she not get this? And then I'm like, well, now looking back on it, like when I was a kid, I was like, surely it can't be the first person that happened, you know? Yeah. But but now looking back on it, it's like the first day of kindergarten. Maybe that was the first time that ever happened. Yeah. Maybe I was the first guy in a long line of people who publicly, like, confused the twins. Way to go, you idiot. <laughs> Twin tricks. Cute twins, though. Twins. Anyway, uh, this next caller could be a twin, but she's definitely cute. The first time I ever said, called somebody the wrong name, um, yeah, I was in... I was in kindergarten. Oh, me too. So I was probably four or five. Yeah, I was five. So it was so it was like I called my my teacher mom in front <laughs> of a lot of people, oh. and I got laughed at really hard. <laughs> so hard. And that was the first time so I hard. I ever called somebody the wrong name. Yeah. And I was super embarrassed. Oh. But, but that's okay. My, I love my mom. And I love you guys. Bye. Bye. Oh, bye. We love you. Love you, Carolyn. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Mm, Colin, teach your mom. Mom. Gotta go bathroom, mom. <laughs> I could see that. Our kids, the weirdest thing that our kids do is they'll call, they'll be looking at me 
And they're like, so is that okay, Dad? I mean, Mom. Oh, and yeah. And then they'll do it to you. They'll be like, is that okay, Mom? I mean, Dad. They'll be like, Mom. I mean, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you're looking at Dude, you right only have two me. people to keep track of in the whole house. <laughs> we each have three-letter names, Mom and Dad. Like, whoa. Being little, man. Being little they kid. never get their uh, their own names wrong. No. <laughs> just Mom and Dad. I guess we just <laughs> look too similar. <laughs> There's like a whole head of height difference. There's at least uh, a head of height. Mustache difference. There's at least a head of height difference on this next color. Technically, in the old normal, yeah, I was generally pretty good with names. Oh, like a um, like a W. Bush guy. Scene factor at times because when we would show up to the theater, you had sixteen, twelve to sixteen dudes. Nice. Or women, chicks, the whole gamut of stagehands. I, I want to be as equal opportunity as possible um but you'd have 12 to 16 people on stage you would divide them up evenly among the road road crew and uh i just it was beaten into me by one of the best head electricians i ever worked with he's like you're gonna show up you're gonna fucking learn their names and he's right it's uh it makes it a more personable experience you're not just some faceless douchebag that's in for a day and out and uh generally it it kind of it gets the the local crew on your on your side they're a little more um they're more attentive yeah uh, they they want to work with you at that point because you show up and you hand them respect and in theory most of the time they give you a respect act uh worked with plenty of douchebags in my time but um can't win them all yeah <laughs> i'd freak out my boss uh quite a bit because there'd be the whole gaggle of stagehands and i or for the the electricians at least and um we'd just sit there and point and fucking he's like how many did you get this time i was like this one this one and all of them <laughs> nice <laughs> he never understood it i was like i don't know man it's a thing i'm just good with names um i'm a little out of practice these days which is unfortunate because that uh, there's <laughs> there's people that I work with right now. I don't even know their names. Uh oh. <laughs> Too little, nervous. Little rusty. All right. Well, you guys have a good rest of your show and in the bowl. In the bowl. In the bowl. Mr. Booberry. Behind the squeeze. Behind the shimmers. Behind the shimmer shimmers. <laughs> Could be. Behind the loveislit.com. Loveislit.com. Mr. Booberry. The coiner of love is lit. One of the greatest no agenda memes out there. I'm jelly of your name skills because names is hard for me. And our friend Mike Hagen, who we had on a Bowls with Buds a while back, he taught us a pretty good trick that sometimes works for me, which is when you meet someone, have them spell their name for you, even yeah. if it's, you know, like John. Could be John with an H or John without an H. Right. Could yeah. be short for Jonathan. That's something I always I picked up on very quickly with hanging out with Mike because you know we'd always hang out in bars, and maybe I'd have a friend there, or maybe there'd be a new employee there, or maybe you know there's always somebody that you're meeting in the bar situation, you know, yeah, someone who you haven't met before, and every time without fail he would always be like, you know, for an obvious names like like John he'd be like oh the J O H N or. Without the H, but he'd always ask him how to spell it, and he'd always spell it in their head. 
in his head. And I was I was just like, yeah, that's a, that's a great way to remember names. Yeah, because then you see them visually, I think. You know, when you're spelling out the letters in your head. Me, I was never really that great know. at names overall. And uh, I always wondered if maybe that was part of, like, a defense mechanism. Like, sm- you know, smoking bowls and being like, oh, I don't remember everybody's name. Because it's like... Oh. Yeah. Faces, for sure. I don't forget faces. But names is, like, sometimes not the easiest for me. Yeah, and there's a lot of fake names out there when you're just smoking bowls and... Living in the under the drug war, no doubt, <laughs> no doubt. Well, thank you, callers, for calling in and uh, weighing in. And what what next week? What are we? Well, we talked about on Bulls with Buds several first time I ever's with Fletcher, but the one I remember right now is the first time I ever rode a roller coaster. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I like that. All right, let's go with it. Next time, first time I ever rolled, rode. <laughs> wow. First time I ever rode a a roller coaster. Jeez, I can't even talk, man. You know what? You know what the solution is? Fuck it, dude. Let's go bowling. Go bowling, baby. Let's go bowling. Let's roll our way out of here. All right. What do you say? I got a clip to start us off. Oh, I love clips. Play clip two. My hand is coming along. I had my fifth surgery about a month ago. And it was a huge success, so I can make like a whole fist. Look at I that! Can, I can Woo! make all my fingers straight, and I got, I'd say about 75% of my strength back. The accident occurred at his home inside his bowling alley, but he was playing with his sons when the pin setter got stuck. Oh, when he no. tried to fix it, the cake boss's hand was repeatedly impaled for over five minutes until his older two sons used a saw to free their dad. Use the saw to free their dad? Yeah. And by older sons, it's like 13 and 15, maybe. Oh, my God. So he had to tell them this. And he showed, the son showed on one of the TV shows he was on, because this guy was on Cake Boss. I I don't really know them very well, but his name is uh, Buddy Velastro. Did they saw, they saw the equipment, right? They saw the equipment. Okay, Jesus. I thought it was like one of those guys stuck on the mountain type of things where they had to saw his hand off. But then I was like, well, he said he could make a fist. Oh, so he was, but the piece that was going through his hand was blunt. It wasn't sharp. Right. And it was just, I mean, the force of the machine versus mere mortal flesh. Just pounded into him for five minutes. No fucking thank you, dude. Dude, that's why you don't put your hand in those machines at all. Don't mess with it. Is it stuck? Well, don't put your hand in the machine. Yeah, you got to turn it off and unplug it before servicing it. Oh, that's that's for sure, but boy. I was trying to find... I was trying to find better clips, yeah. a more gruesome description of what was happening. <laughs> yeah. uh, but all the mainstream, you know, they got this music underneath, and then the 911 call, his wife just fucking, she just ran out on him and stood outside. She, She's like, he's he's being eaten by the machine. I can't go down there. I can't look at him. I can't look at him. Ta-ta, so they're retarded. She fucking left her kids with him. But there's video, too, from the ring doorbell of her, like, freaking out. This happened, like, a year ago or something. Um, <laughs> and... They live in a fucking castle, dude. Like, this lady was small, and then this, like, castle went all the way around her, and there's a circle driveway. I was like, damn. There were people in chef outfits walking by. I was like, surely someone in there is strong enough or smart enough to be able to just turn the machine off and, like, get them out, right? No. It was up to his damn son. Well, there's supposed to be emergency shutoffs, like, all over the place, too. Well, it is a home bowling alley, so I don't know. Maybe it was, you know, not really a... 
a safe? I don't know. It should be safer if it's a home lane. Should be safe is. <laughs> yeah, it should be safe is. Everything should be safe is. Good God. But boy, oof, not the story I want coming out of my lanes. So on to the next one. Okay. A woman in France received 33 speeding tickets in three days. Wow. He does live in Kansas City. Shit. Sorry. No, she lives in France. <laughs> misfire, misfire. <laughs> uh, her fines totaled more than 2,500 euros. Oh, my and, God. And uh, they were all from the end of last year. It was on a road she took daily for work. Uh, so she never saw the flash, and she didn't get the fines around that time, so she had no idea she was going over the speed limit, so she just kept doing it day oh, after day. so it was just a robo it's ticket? It's a robo ticket. Oh, that's fucking Give bullshit. Her. Yeah. And now here they come. They don't work Months here. Later. They don't work here. No, they they've gave been up on them. They've been struck down pretty much everywhere. Thank goodness. So many issues with those because here you can be a belligerent asshole and show up to court and get lawyers and you basically you have a right to face your accuser here in the United States and that's how they would be that's how they totally destroyed the uh, speeding camera systems in most states. Ha They just demanded to see their accuser and their accuser was bolted to a you know street lamp somewhere downtown so it couldn't appear in court to testify against them. Womp womp. Womp womp. Well. The revolver that was used to kill Billy the Kid is going up for auction. Nice. Just gonna go find the cash machine. Yeah, the starting bid is $2 million, so, oh, you know, you're gonna have to find a little bit more than that. Wow. Uh, but... Yeah, I like money, though. Dig this. In 2008, Billy's gun was sold for a mere $64,350. But the revolver that shot and killed him is gonna start at $2 million? That's fucked up to me, in my opinion. Mm, yeah, I mean... The revolver originally belonged to Billy Wilson, who was a member of the Kid Gang, uh, and when he was arrested, Sheriff Pat Garrett took it and then hid in a dark bedroom and shot Billy in the chest on July 14th, 1881, in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. Well, damn. Cowards! <laughs> Duel or fuck off? <laughs> Oh, Billy the Kid. Ah, oh, Billy the Kid. So, yeah, I got a, I got another clip. Okay. Uh, and I, I'll preface it, because I'm not sure how clear the clip is. But okay. A strange, round, metal cage with buckets on its sides washed up on a beach in Florida, and there was a man inside of it. Oh? Go ahead and play clip three. I want to show people anything you want to do it, don't listen to anybody. You chase and you dream. Reza Bellucci is no stranger to the water. He calls this contraption his bubble. But his bubble washed ashore in Flagler County early Saturday morning. Deputies said a concerned citizen reported seeing it in the hammock area. Bellucci says that he was running on water for a good cause. This isn't Bellucci's first attempt. Back in 2014, he had to be rescued from a hydro bubble <laughs> near St. Augustine. His second attempt was in 2016, where he had to be rescued from a hydropod <laughs> just off the coast of Jupiter. Gina Lespina has been on Bellucci's bubble journey for years. She says he has a GPS tracking device, so family and friends know where he is at all times. He's a survivalist. He can survive anywhere. Um, for days, weeks, he's got food, he's got water, he's got everything he needs to keep him safe. Bellucci says he's raised lots of money, 
But most importantly, he will never give up on his dreams. I never give up my dream for never stop. They stopped me four or five times. I never give up. Yeah. Never give up. I will never stop like I'm running from the cops. <laughs> yeah, run into Bermuda Holy from Florida shit, on that's water. Crazy. And then, you know, the tide takes you back in. But whatever. Try again. Yeah. Get keep, it someday. Keep running, man. Just gotta keep trying. <laughs> I love that. Chase that dream, baby. Yeah. And never give up. Inspiring. You know what's also inspiring is this little Yorkie in Toronto defended her ten year old owner or walker from a coyote that was chasing her. Oh. Yeah. The So there were signs posted in this park, I guess, that there was a coyote that had been spotted. But this damn coyote just went right after the kid instead of being scared and stuff. Just started chasing the girl. And the girl started just screaming and running with her, uh, you know, holding the leash of her Yorkie. But the Yorkie kept stopping to turn and bark at the coyote. So she ended up dropping the leash and just running away. Well, the Yorkie was just trying to stop to stop the coyote and have it attack it instead of the girl. And so it kind of fought with the coyote, and eventually the coyote ran away. Damn. And um, the Yorkie did survive, but is still in the ICU after having a surgery for multiple puncture wounds. Oof. And, I mean, when we're talking about a Yorkie, we're talking about these, like, six-pound dogs. Yeah, it's just getting ragdolled by the coyote, I'm sure. at 10. Really, it was more of a pincher fight. It was all captured on a ring doorbell if you want to watch a little dog fight with a coyote. I wouldn't advise it. Not, I, I, <laughs> not into know, it. I'm not into it either, but they just it was very nippy on both sides. Uh-huh. But I would say this Yorkie is real lucky to have survived, and I'm glad the girl didn't get bit. And, uh, you know, prayers for that dog to have a full recovery because that's a good dog. This is why we use the body system. This is why we get and dogs. always carry. Yeah. I mean, she's 10. She can't really carry a gun. Maybe. I, mean, I don't know. Well, in Canada. <laughs> in Toronto, in Canada, no one can no, carry. No, no one can carry. You can carry this your is, limp dick, and that's about it. This is why you have to have a dog in Toronto, but... Yeah, maybe a bigger dog. You know, I'd say eight is a good time to start learning uh, gun safety. Maybe, and, a, maybe an alligator you can walk yeah, maybe. around the neighborhood. Maybe. We'll see. Watch out for coyotes, I guess. Chomp on them coyotes. Now, there's a fishing tour on the Fraser River in Chilliwack, uh... In Canada. Is that Knickknack Chilliwack? Also, yeah, give the Bjorky a bone. <laughs> Chilliwack, uh, British Columbia. And this fishing tour is out on a boat. They got some videos rolling. They caught a nine-foot sturgeon jump out of the water. Whoa. Yeah. The fishing operator guesses it's about 50 years old and would weigh around 350 pounds. So I thought that was a cool story. Mm-hmm. But then when I was looking up to see if there were any interviews with people on the fishing tour, I saw... That just two weeks back, a teen, also on the Fraser River, I don't know if it was in Chilliwack, but the Fraser River, caught and released a 20-foot-long white sturgeon. That's a double strike there. He had some cool videos and pictures, and also just went on and on and on about his respect for this prehistoric creature, which was cool. I should have clipped it, but I didn't. R-E-S-P-I-C-T. Yeah, respect. So, I don't know why this was newsworthy, hmm. uh, other than, you know, not if it bleeds, it leads, but also, like, if it's a whore, it ends up on the front page, too, I guess. Okay. So, this New York City spine surgeon was married to a Miss Connecticut, a former Miss Connecticut, a okay. beauty pageant woman, uh-huh. a beautiful lady. 
and they decided to get a divorce. Now, this all went public because they settled their divorce pretty quickly before a 10 a.m. public hearing they were supposed to have after he released a 264-page filing alleging that she pocketed nearly $700,000 by being a prostitute. Dwayne? Yeah. She settled fast when that came out. I bet. And now it's all over the news, so it didn't work. Settling didn't work because your ex is pissed. And I guess (laughs) that she had been uh, doing sex work, as we call it now, uh, from before their marriage in 2015. And it seems that it just continued all the way through. And he was ticked off because he's a spine surgeon. He's like, I bring in bank. Why isn't I, this good enough for you? You don't need to work. You don't need to bring in money. It's a lot of money, too, though. It is a lot of money, too. But she told him that she had a tech company and she was receiving <laughs> venture capital funding oh, for it. Well, this all fell apart in December 2020 because he found a very racy message from another man on their shared computer. Wow. Yeah. So, she uh he says now he's looking back on all the times she said he, she was traveling for work or going out with girlfriends because he traced most of the money to a real estate executive in New Jersey and a lighting director in England. She's got big boobs, doesn't she? Yes. I knew it. They haven't been doxxed yet, but I'm sure it's coming. You don't fuck with a man's wife. Not a spine surgeon's wife. No doubt, bro. Not going to have a spine much longer. No doubt, no doubt. That's scary. Spineless. (laughs) Just idiots. Oh, goddamn. But there was a New York police department officer who wasn't an idiot or spineless. Uh, He saved a guy who had been stabbed in the park using only a potato chip bag and tape. Whoa. Yeah. Dude was stabbed in the chest and the blade allegedly slightly pierced his heart, touched his heart. So now he's got some heart issues to deal with. This is according to the guy who, I will say, uh, his mama says he was out looking for heroin that night and has a problem and might be homeless. And uh, he says that the dude who stabbed him just happened to be his ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend. Oh, nice. Who he was also trying to get the smack from, you know. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, he staggered to a deli to get help and then, you know, fell down bleeding with a chest wound and... Officer Rob Kennedy just happened to be there, and he looked at a dude standing outside the convenience store. He's like, give me your chip bag. Grab some tape. And he uh, created a seal with the tape and the squared edges of this bag so that air wouldn't go in and uh, collapse his lungs, I guess. Nice. Yeah, man, that is thinking. Captain save Freaking MacGyver. No doubt. With the potato chip bag. So uh, now this guy has uh, the stabbing victim has also done a follow-up story with the news saying he hopes to move out of New York City. He's looking to go to Florida, and he's going to think more about his kids now. He has three kids, ages two to eight. It just broke my heart. And and it's not the first time he's been stabbed either, I will say. (laughs) He's also been shot. He's no stranger to being stabbed. No. No. So, yeah. You know, look for a new place, man. Look for some new hobbies. They called Lucky. No, that wasn't. That might be his nickname, though. But you know, he's lucky. Time to move to Florida, buy some scratchers. You know who's not lucky though? Who? Martin Shkreli. Oh, no doubt. Federal prosecutors have sold his one-of-a-kind Wu Tang album. Oh. 
Damn, I remember when he bought that. For, uh, you know, it's going towards his forfeiture judgment, which was, what, seven and a half million dollars almost? Mm-hmm. Yeah, once upon a time in Shaolin, only one exists. It was uh, described by Wu-Tang as both a work of art and an audio artifact recorded over several years, never reproduced, and it came inside a hand-carved nickel-silver box with a leather-bound book containing lyrics and a certificate of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess Wu-Tang attempted to reclaim the lone copy of this album. I remember that. Um, but under its terms of the auction, it cannot be reproduced or sold for 88 years. They I guess were, if you're the feds, that doesn't matter. They were ass-blasted about it being bought by him in the first place. <laughs> yeah, well, he had the like $2 million. You, you put you know? the shit up for auction, bros, or you sell it to the highest bidder. Yeah, that's... You don't get to be all picky and choosy. Yeah. So, they but should, hey... And they should have made two. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Duh. The feds sold it. Maybe they got it back. Uh, the feds aren't saying how much they sold it for no. or who bought it. They didn't get so, it back. You know, uh, Shkreli is still facing seven years in prison, followed by three years supervised release. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sucks to suck. Too bad. So sad. Yeah, he made a good amount of money as a farmer bro. <laughs> Former farmer bro. And I've got one more clip. It's in a secondary email I sent to you. Oh, a secondary email. It must be extra special. It's extra special. I had to throw this story in. Bring your house and share your spouse. That is the motto of this soon-to-be trailer park and campground for swingers. You can come to Mamu for many good things. This will be one of them. David O'Gwen is opening T-Boy Swingers Trailer Park. For that's right, <laughs> swingers. He says the swinger community is surprisingly bigger than you may think. Bigger than most will know. Live free and don't be scared of it. There's a big community of it. I think a bunch of them is not shy. The ones that are shy, hell with them. Roll with it. Good thing compared to most things. Since putting up this sign, Oakland's gotten calls from swingers across the country. He says they're getting so many calls, they can barely keep up with it. Most of them call or text just to see if it's real. Just to see if somebody's going to answer, because they're going to say, oh, no, nobody's there. It's not a real number. Or they'll get on Facebook, oh, it's not a real number. I got on there and said, I'd be a fat frog's butt if it's not a real number. <laughs> Everybody starts calling. And they start calling, hey, what's your address? Where is it? Is this in my room? Is this, where is this at? The sign for this swingers community says you have to send a picture of your spouse for approval. But Oakland says... That was more of a joke to kind of ease up the, the people and just to create a vibe. People went further with it than you would imagine. And yeah. Oakland says, as for the haters. Sucks to be them. There's no reason to be mad at anybody for their preference and not and not out here hurting nobody. Nobody's selling drugs here. People know nothing. Just to have a good time. They enjoy themselves the way they want to. Just, just perfectly what it is. Now, it's none of my business what our viewers do in y'all's personal time, but if you are wondering when this Swingers Trailer Park is going to be open, the grand opening is set for Memorial Weekend of 2022. Just in case you're wondering, bowlers, Woo! if you've got to get down to Swingtown, <laughs> it's in Mamou, Mamou, Louisiana. Oh, my God. We'll be a fat frog's butt. That doesn't <laughs> sound like a good time. <laughs> oh, great rolls, dude. Yeah, I great had to leave rolls. that guy's whole bit in there. The fat frog's butt, oh, really. That fucking got me, dude. Got me, too. That was funny as so. hell. Gave me a boot. Hey, well, we got a boot out of this episode. That was a fun show <laughs> to do. It's always a fun time in the bowl. No doubt, no doubt. Thanks for hanging out, bowlers. Appreciate having you around for the ride it's all love in the bull and we love having you 
We'll see you again on uh, next Tuesday. Same time, same stations. Till then, uh, I'm your man, Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. Oh, I'm Dame DeLorean. With the little baby wolf cub right in my arms still. And until next Token Tuesday, may your bowls burn ever brighter. Oh my god! And how we doing? I love it, I love the people. Bowl after bowl. Bowl after bowl. BowlAfterBowl.com You are listening to Bowl After Bowl. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bowl. That's a dumb place to keep bowls. Walk on. Smoke on. Mwah. Smoke in a bowl, sir. I'm being baked. I'm being baked like a cake.